1: Greeney with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: All right, back and better than ever. Greeney presented by Progressive Insurance. Delighted to have you with us on a full-scale football Friday. That is a lot more in the hopper than that. The baseball's been good. College stuff this weekend. Got to get to the bottom of this Harbaugh thing. We're busy. Let's do it. Here we go.
1: Only one place to start.
3: This ball is incomplete in the left corner of the end zone. The Jags take over on now. It's a own six-yard line with 21 seconds left in the ball game. You know, on a short week, battling injury, you know, says a lot about the character of these guys. Well,
2: that's how the NFL weekend began last night. And we'll start with some football here. Jacksonville beating New Orleans. We got Mike Tannenbaum and Dan Graziano. Good Enough to hang out after we wrap up Get Up this morning. I noticed Mike T is standing. Are you attempting? I don't mind your standing. That seemed intentional to me. Now, I've noticed... On our pre-show calls, you always seem to be focused on getting in your steps. So is this part of that routine?
4: Absolutely. I mean, one way or the other, because I, I struggled modulating the caloric intake. Therefore, I have to work on the other half of the equation.
5: What do you think of that, Graziano? I thought he was trying to do like a McAfee thing where you're going to stand up for the show. Just going to stand like, the whole yeah, time. You've got to get him a tank top. Throw on a black tank top and, and
2: stand there the whole time. See how that all goes. I, I will start briefly on Jacksonville. There's a million things I want to get into today, but... Before the season began, I told you that I thought Jacksonville was going to be the one seed in the AFC. And then they started very slowly mm-hmm. this year. They were underwhelming in a week one win. They lost to Kansas City. They then lost to a Houston team. that, That's turned out to be better than I thought. And then I think the world has largely forgotten about them. But it put together a pretty good little month here. You win yeah. two games in Europe, including one of them against Buffalo. And now you come home and without a bye, and you beat New Orleans on the road on a short week. That's not an easy game at all. And Lawrence is a little banged up, but he'll get healthier. I I think as you watch the way everything is kind of breaking, I think the idea that the Jaguars could be the one seed in the AFC does not sound so crazy to me after all. I was at their game
5: Sunday against the Colts, and and they look and feel to me like a team that has kind of found something, right? Like... This is how they're supposed to be. And last night wasn't the cleanest game, and on Thursday night it rarely is. You know, they had the two turnovers early on. that kind of kept the Saints in the game in the first half. But, you know, you look and you see, like, evidence of good coaching sometimes to me is 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 young player development travis Etienne looks like a much better player than he did a year or two ago trevor lawrence looks like josh allen on the defensive side of the ball has become a dominant uh, force and and i think we're seeing advancements from trayvon walker I, i just feel like it's a it's a good program there uh they had the experience of the playoff win last year the big comeback in the playoff win last year i think that helps uh, Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl-winning head coach, and the people he's brought with him, and, of course, the talent of Trevor Lawrence to build around. I think it's a, it's a pretty good recipe right there. Yeah,
2: so they shape up as an interesting team. Go ahead, Mike.
4: Yeah, great. Just to add to that, I thought the development we saw from Trevor Lawrence last night was not his physical development, but with his mind. And You talk about why could they be the one seed. You know, instead of talking about Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, in a consequential moment, they go empty, and pre-snap, Trevor Lawrence says, okay, I have Christian Kirk one-on-one against... Tyron Matthew, whose better days are way, way, way long time ago. And one-on-one, that was an easy win. Christian Kirk for a touchdown. And to me, the development of Trevor Lawrence was pre-snap saying, I'm not going to maybe our number one, but I'm going to our best matchup. Yeah,
5: And that's a big, like I was talking when I was there last week to Mike McCoy, their quarterback's coach, and that was the area he identified in terms of how much Trevor Lawrence has grown, his ability to check into something if he sees it. You know, they said the coaching staff's been trying to encourage him to do that more and more and more, and he's grown in terms of his confidence. You know, last year, this time, he was learning a new offense. He was learning a bunch of new teammates that they had brought in in free agency. And I just feel like he's 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 in a groove right now. And uh, and you're seeing why he was the number one pick. Quite well, honest. let's
2: say Lawrence was in the zone last night. Our friends at AutoZone ask us to pick someone every Friday in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Trevor Lawrence in the zone. I, next, I want to go to something that you said, Mike T, that I was fascinated by. Um, you dove into Russell Wilson's contract and emerged with a prediction of something that could happen sooner than maybe other people are expecting.
4: Yeah, if we just go down the calendar and the fact screeny week from Tuesday, trade day deadline, he's going to be there. Now we have to say, if the three of us were running the Broncos, we say, what's in our best interest in 2024? Which is, we want to minimize our liability for Russell Wilson in the future and give ourselves the most optionality. If he plays great, he stays. If not, we want to minimize the cap charge. $39 million fully guaranteed next year. That's clear. By the fifth day of next league year, $37 million becomes guaranteed in 2025. We're going to do everything we can not to let that happen. We don't want him to get hurt this year, so we could cut him without any injury concerns by the fifth day next year. Assuming that happens, guys, $85 million will be on their cap next year from the $39 million that they're going to owe him plus the other signing bonuses. So I think Sean Payton made a big miscalculation when he probably didn't understand this contract. And now all of a sudden, they're going to go into year two, presumably no Russell Wilson, $85 million cap charge, and no quarterback. Well,
2: so let's just be clear. When we get to the trade deadline, they are very – well – Let's say let's live in a world. They're probably at very best going to be two and six. Maybe they beat Green Bay this weekend. I don't expect it. They then get Kansas City again. doesn't them. feel like any way they're going to win that game. And then they're at Buffalo. So th- <laughs> their, their their season, to whatever degree, it isn't already over. Certainly is soon to be. But I want to make it very clear to the audience what Mike T is saying, that They could shut him down. That money in 2025, not next year, but the following year, becomes guaranteed if Russell Wilson is injured. If he gets seriously hurt here, he's not going anywhere. They'll be on the hook for all of that money either way. So the idea that they could just shut him down, a healthy scratch the rest of the way, feels like a, a, at least, you're telling me you think that is
4: a legitimate possibility. Yeah, and and to Graz's point, that's what happened last year with Derek Hart. They made the decision. They did that like after like, Thirteen or
2: fourteen games. Right. right, it's a
5: tough way to go through the entire final two months of your season. Well, I, but if you're, you're sure still I'm planning to charge admission for your games, but like I, it, I'm telling, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's a significant move. I don't rule it out. I have We've been talking about this since August. Like I, I do not rule it out in any way. If if the season continues to go like this. I mean, just like if he's on the roster, what, third day or fifth day of the league year next March, then the 2025 money becomes fully guaranteed. If he's hurt and he can't pass a physical by then, right, the money's injury guaranteed. So, so yes, it's a massive risk if he suffers a, a career-ending injury or one that just takes him out next spring. But, yeah, I, I – they gave Jared Stidham a real, like a real contract. Like it's not just a throwaway backup contract. Like you can, you could sell it as, "Hey, we want to get a look at this young player that we kind of liked, so we know what our options are going into next off-season draft, whatever." I, I think it's entirely possible. But man, to be a Broncos fan in November, and December, and and being told, "No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna start Russell Wilson." because we don't want him to get
4: hurt, that, that's pretty. That's a tough sell. But, but, Greene, we've talked about this all spring and summer. I'm telling you, Sean Payne's going to see it as an opportunity as well. Contract aside to say, I'm going to bench this guy. Everybody else is going to fall in line. Yeah. And you brought up Bill Parcells' commandments of a quarterback. Like, yeah. he violates them. And, and if I'm Sean, I'm just telling the Walton family that, hey, I inherited this and I'm going to fix it, but it's going to be painful. Greeny presented by
2: Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Before he covered the NFL, Dan Graziano covered baseball, mm. and thus he knows That's true. that probably the most interesting time in baseball are the last two weeks of July. Most people think, <laughs> well, those are the dog days. That's the least interesting time. No, it's not. Yeah, That's when all the deals are going to get done because the trade deadline in Major League Baseball is about two-thirds of the way through the season. Right. And the National Football League, we're 10 days away from the trade deadline. Teams will have played eight games some of them will have played seven games out of a 17 game schedule and so i asked aloud in our meeting this morning the question why does the nfl
4: do it this way and mike t you have the answer yeah i was on the gm committee for years and we pushed hard to keep moving the trade deadline back citing baseball as you just mentioned greenie and the very basic answer from the owners were we want every game to be meaningful so if we take a team like the New York Giants, who are still somewhat in it, despite it doesn't look good, could be very out of it by, let's say, December 1st. And what the owners don't want is when a team like Philadelphia or Dallas plays the New York Giants, they want to play the same New York Giant team for both teams. So, therefore, if the Giants had to play the Cowboys with Saquon Barkley, but the Eagles play the Giants without him. They, they are trying to avoid that scenario. And therefore, if they make the trade deadline as early as possible, notionally, every team thinks, well, there is a chance for us to make the playoffs. Let's hold on to our players and let's not just give them away.
1: Yeah,
5: I, I, absolutely. And that's, that's an issue when you talk about teams getting to the trade deadline and being able to assess whether they should be trading for players or trading players away. That, it's very, and, and that is why historically, and it's been more and more the last couple of years but historically you you didn't really see an active NFL trade deadline. So I think now you see teams get more creative, deals are made for maybe a little bit different reasons than just, oh, you're out of it, I'll take on this set. That that was for you in baseball. That's how I, I don't pay enough attention to baseball no anymore, but for years, that's how it often worked, right? That like a team like the Yankees would fill a hole by taking a big contract right. from a team that was out of it and didn't want to pay the guy. So you see that a little bit, but at the NFL trade deadline, I feel like there are, there are other different kind of reasons deals get made, and I think that's because it's not as simple as, oh, you're out of it, give us your guy. Although I do think this year, in the case of the Denver Broncos, we are going to see some moves like but that. But not Patrick Sertan. Everyone, when we brought up I don't Sertain, think so. I think that's the guy they don't want to— I mean, look— if you're doing a teardown right if you're Sean Payton and you're saying well I'm going to get rid of guys that aren't part of my program long term and bring in guys that are you got to take every call but my understanding is they view Sertan as a a building block I understand that he's also
2: however is the most valuable trade commodity you have on your team so there's the yin and the yang of
4: it green if I'm Jerry Jones I say Sean Payton was it going to take what's the bill to get Patrick Sertan yeah, I just lost Trayvon Diggs. You tell me what the bill is. I'm 80 years old. I want to win a Super Bowl right now. What's the bill? Yeah, but as Graziano says, I'm with you. That's just not the way they
2: ever operate. The Cowboys, are yeah. they are the least. He, Jerry Jones is the most misunderstood, I think. <coughs> pardon me, a little frog in the throat. Most misunderstood owner in this regard in sports. Because he's so high profile right. and so bombastic, we sometimes think of him the way we used to think of George Steinbrenner. But the truth is, Steinbrenner also was impulsive yes, he was. as an owner, and Jerry Jones is the opposite of that. He,
5: he is, and, and maybe that's changed over the years. Maybe he used to be more impulsive, but uh, look, there was the big move a few years ago when they traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper at a time when they really <laughs> had nothing at wide receiver. Uh, that turned out to be a very good move. Amari Cooper was still a young player at that point. They had him for a number of years. They were looking at it as like, we're using our first-round pick on a guy that we think is better than anybody we would take in next year's first round. Right, so that kind of move, that kind of calculation. Last year at the deadline, the Cowboys made a couple moves. They brought in some guys to to beef up the interior of their defensive line. They were not high profile moves, but they were moves that they needed to make. So yes, they. Are, I don't see it. I don't see them going out and stretching to that extent when you have Micah Parsons' extension coming up next year. When you still want to do an extension with C.D. Lamb. When you're probably going to want to do an extension with Dak Prescott. Those are all deals that are going to start. In the thirty millions, forty millions, maybe even fifty millions, uh, in the case of Dak,
2: and you're going to need to hold your cap space out for that. All right. So, so again, Saquon Barkley, Devonte Adams, are there are there possibilities here with those two very high-profile players? And who else? Who should we be thinking about? I mean, as we get to the trade. That's
5: the on? thing with Devontae Adams. We were just talking about the Raiders are three and three. Right. Like I don't think any of us really think the Raiders are good, but like
2: they're 3 and 3 they all think devonte adams thinks the they're right,
4: sound like it
5: they owe it to themselves to to see where they can take 3 and 3 and they got and i think they're going to need devonte adams to do that so they got to find a way to make him happy saquon you know I, I just feel like running back is just not a position where teams are willing to pay right now i'd be surprised if somebody gave the giants something that made it worth their while who else could go? The Broncos are taking calls. I would not be shocked at all if Jerry Judy got dealt to someone, uh, and maybe a couple of the Broncos. Look at the contracts uh, that, that, that for guys that may not be part of the future there, right? Are they going to move Garrett Bowles, the offensive lineman? They're, everybody's always looking for offensive line help. Uh, could Justin Simmons, who's been a great player for them at safety, could he be a contract that somebody would take on? So I watched that. And the one that – this is just speculation. This is not a name that I have heard floating around in the – but like Carolina's winless, right? They couldn't get a deal done this off season with Brian Burns, the edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Like, is is if you decide, hey, we're not going to be able to pay him what he wants. I mean,
2: that's a guy you could get something for, right? Like, of significant value at the trade deadline. The Raiders could easily be 5-4. and four. I just pulled up their schedule. Right. They're sitting here 3-3. Three and three. They, are, they are favored to beat the Bears this week. Then they'll lose to the Lions. Then they play the Giants at home. See, they, they should be, easily they should be, be calling the
5: Panthers about Brian Burns. They shouldn't be trying to trade Devontae Adams.
4: The, the other name, same position, is Denell Hunter. I've heard a couple of teams yeah. looking in at him just because he's 29, good pass rusher, and obviously – Minnesota has a very disappointing season. Guys, you're the best. Thank you. The
2: offices of Greenberg and Tannenbaum are now closed. Closed for T. Dan Graziano, terrific. Thank you, fellas. Starting Stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Coming up, one guy that everyone says is right is actually dead wrong. We'll explain why right after this on ESPN Radio.
6: Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets, that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
2: I'm going to tell you in a moment uh, that there's one guy that everyone says is right who's actually dead wrong. I'll tell you who it is in a moment. But first, the beauty of doing a show like this is that every now and again my attention could just be completely distracted and I can just follow it (laughs) wherever I want it to go. So while we were sitting there in a break, just literally 30 seconds before we came out, I noticed that Mel tweeted his latest big board. And as the host of ESPN's coverage of the NFL draft, I'm always interested in those, so I clicked on it. And the tease line that he put in there is that Michael Penix, the quarterback at Washington, makes his first appearance. So take a guess on Mel's big board. How many quarterbacks are in the top 21 on Mel's big board right now? I would guess four. That's correct, because he does have Shador Sanders in there. Oh, interesting, because I he thought he does. might have Duke's Riley Leonard. No, hmm. he is not. I like Riley Leonard. For those of you who have watched, let me make sure I didn't accidentally No, the reason I, I didn't
0: think about Shador is because I think there's just kind of, I don't know, mainstream consensus that he'll come back, but Mel can rank anyone that's draft eligible, right? Um, yes, and, and I think that's what he does. He, got
2: he's not ranking where he thinks people are going. Here it is in the draft. He's got Riley Leonard, the eighth best quarterback. So for those who haven't seen him play, now when Daniel Jones first became talked about in as as a player who might get drafted high, people made fun of me for saying I know exactly who Daniel Jones is, and because anyone who goes to Northwestern or follows Northwestern football knows Duke. We play them every year. So I had seen Daniel Jones kill Northwestern twice. And Riley Leonard is better. I think Riley Leonard is a better prospect. He's bigger. He's, I think he's, he's like a bigger Daniel. If Daniel Jones was bigger, he'd be Riley Leonard. And Daniel Jones is big. But anyway, so the top quarterbacks on Mel's board are Caleb Williams, Drake May, Shador Sanders, then Penix, the kid from Washington, then Bo Nix from Oregon. They just played each other mm-hmm. last week. J.J. McCarthy of Michigan. Have you thought about him as a pro? Uh,
0: I have not, but I've started to see him creep up on boards like these. Quinn Ewers is the
2: kid from Texas and then, and then Riley Leonard from Duke. Anyway, I wasn't planning on going there, but that's the beauty of it. I can always find these things fascinating. Okay, next. I'm sorry, what?
1: I'm what, sorry, what, what? I'm
4: sorry, what?
1: I'm sorry,
2: what? Today's I'm sorry, what? Goes to Devonte Adams because what he's saying is just flat not right. And I give Hembo all the credit in the world for helping us prove it. So when Devonte Adams said the other day, look, my greatness is, is is how I measure myself, not wins and losses. Y'all
7: should know who I am, know what I'm about at this point. So it's not about when you're a player like me mentally, the, my benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. So when I go out there, I expect to be able to have that ability to put that on tape and have the uh, an influence on the game.
2: So I said... That doesn't seem like the right thing for a player to say, and I was summarily beaten down by the other members of the panel on Get Up yesterday. He's such a great guy. He's such a great pro. He's just competitive. He just wants to be more a part of the offense. Okay, I live with that, and I fully accept that Devontae Adams is a great guy, a great pro, a great leader, a great teammate, a great everything. I've never met him, but everyone says that, so I believe it to be true. However, these are the numbers, and Hembo was the one who got them for me. And the three games that the Raiders have won this year, he has just 12 catches for 140 yards and no touchdowns. Those are the games they've won. In the three games they've lost this year, he has 27 catches for 331 yards and three touchdowns. So the numbers tell us, and it's not no sample size here, these are six games, that they have won games when he's been less a part of the offense and lost games when he's been more. That's not to question how great a player he is. I think he's an unbelievable player. But the numbers certainly don't back up that they need to feature him more to win. There's also people saying he just wants to be more a part of the offense. He's not as much a part of the offense as he was in Green Bay. That's just not true. Hembo gave me the numbers. He has a 30% target share, right? Basically, it means that 30% of the time they throw the ball, they throw it to him. The last two years, each of his years in Vegas, including this one, do you know how many times he had that when Aaron Rodgers is throwing to him? Zero. So he's actually being targeted more than he ever has been in his career. So I think what's going on is he just wants up out of Vegas, which I don't blame him for because they were a dysfunctional organization.
0: But what he's actually saying is not backed up by the numbers. No, the good thing about this is that we can actually look up this stuff. And we did. And so for those defending Devontae Adams, I just, I just ask you, like, what do you say now that the data proves very clearly that what he's saying doesn't match reality? I'm sure there are a lot of players in the NFL that care a lot more about their stats than their team success. I don't think this is a revelation by any stretch of the imagination. And receivers, quite famously, are people that have these kinds of egos. It's part of what makes them great. All I would ask Devontae is don't say that part out loud because he's saying this stuff after the Raiders have won consecutive games with a fairly easy schedule upcoming. It doesn't make much sense to me. If he wants to force his way out of there, I think there's probably a better way to do it than to go public with I don't care about winning as much as my numbers, which is effectively what he's saying based upon the numbers.
2: Yeah, and the primary reason I think that receivers historically have wanted to put up the huge numbers is because that equals the huge contract. But he already has the huge contract. He, he is getting paid. We looked it up yesterday, right? We think that after Larry Fitzgerald, he will be the,
0: the richest receiver that ever lived. Yeah, by the end of this contract, he'll have earned $200 million on the field.
2: Which is, which is more than any receiver besides Larry Fitzgerald ever did. So he's gotten that, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer if he stopped playing tomorrow. So the only thing he hasn't done is win. And so if he doesn't judge it by wins and losses— I'm fascinated that no one seems to think there's any problem with saying that. I, again, it's who am I to argue? But everyone else seems to think it's just absolutely fine. We'd like to hear what you think, as always. You can always reach me on social media. I'm at ESPN Greeny. That's Greeny with a Y. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on threads at the same address. ESPN Greeny. Greeny with a Y. Next. The
1: one Swing and a line drive. Base hit. Center field. Racing home is Payman Smith. Catel Marte and the Diamondbacks walk it off. And Arizona is back in this series. And thus was born,
2: as you heard on ESPN Radio last night, the curse of the Cam We offered to send Cam out to Arizona to watch his beloved Phillies or his allegedly beloved Phillies, play in the National League Championship Series. Cam refused because he's going to a birthday party for someone he's never met in his entire life and invented named Eric. And thus, instead of going out there to see his team, he's staying home to go to this party. Chris McGrath tweets at us, since Cam refused to go to Arizona, our one should be curse of the Cambino." And he's 100% right. Cam, what do you have to say for yourself?
7: I love the idea from Chris. I am not willing to take the blame for this. Here's what I think happened. We have labeled Hembo on this show the Phillies jinx, right? He lost the World Series for the Phillies last year when he proclaimed it over when they were up 2-1. He pretty much did the same thing this year in the NLCS after the Phillies were up 2 nothing on the Diamondbacks. So he cooks up a plan. Let's send Cam to Arizona. If they win the series, great. No harm, no foul. If they lose the series, either way, whether I go or not, he can place the blame on me. If I go and they lose, it's Cam's fault. He was there. He's the curse. If I decline to go and they lose, it's Cam's fault. He decided not to go. He's the curse. He gets none of the blame. I get all the blame for the Phillies' loss if they happen to lose the series. That's what I think happened. Hembo never does anything out of the goodness of his own heart. He's a dastardly evil man, and that's what I think is happening here.
2: You know what you're doing is you are deflecting. The curse of the Cambino was all about you. I offered to send you to Arizona. This was not a Hembo offering. Hembo's not paying for you to go to Arizona. Not one cent. I would have paid for you to go to Arizona. It was cheaper than sending you to Philly. I could fly you to Arizona and put you in an Airbnb and buy you a ticket for less money than it would cost for you to go to one game in Philadelphia. And you refused. Why? Because you're going to a party where?
7: Chicago Sam's in Cromwell, Connecticut. With who? Uh, Some guy allegedly named Eric, according to you.
2: You just made up a person named Eric. Right. I mean, be honest. You have just invented a person. We've never seen Eric again. Someone came in the other day and claimed to be Eric. I don't think he actually is Eric.
7: Eric's great. He's around here somewhere.
0: Time I now. think oh, I'm sure he is. OK, Cam Greeney, I, I, we need to get to the bottom of this actually today. Yeah. I suspect foul play. I hit the wrong sounder. Perfect. Say that again. I suspect foul play. We'll edit it for the podcast. OK, Cam,
3: <laughs> yes. here's my
0: theory. You're an avid Phillies fan. You love this team as much as I do. And look, even though it may have been a slight inconvenience to spend the weekend in Arizona, on balance, this is something that almost any fan that I know would do. My theory is that you don't care at all about Eric. You don't care at all about Eric's (laughs) 29th birthday. There's a girl going to this party that Cam is absolutely interested in. And Cam is unwilling to lose his weekend, with said girl at Chicago
7: Sam's at the expense of the Phillies.
0: We are pointing an accusatory finger of that
2: sort at you right now, Cameron. What do you have to say for yourself?
7: I decline that because uh, most of the people going to this birthday party work at ESPN Radio. They're not a ton of women on the staff. But not the best accusation by you guys.
2: This is ridiculous. So there's no explanation for this except that he's just a nymph. Like the, I don't the worst I, 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 the if, most ridiculous. If you decision. send me
7: an itinerary with a booked ticket, booked flight, and no, bo- no. booked you hotel, no, no, you shut it
2: down. I told you I would do it, and you said no well, because f- you have to go to a birthday party at Chicago Sam's. The first with offer, Eric.
7: the first offer was just for the ticket. I I was unaware of the uh, flight and hotel comp initially. I mean, I looked <laughs> online. The website said they
1: have parking for a thousand cars, so it looks like a pretty nice place, <laughs> Chicago <know>. Sam's. <laughs>
7: yeah.
0: Oh, I thought you meant I, Chase Field.
1: Yeah. I bet they don't have have a thousand
0: cars no, in my lot. Chicago Sams, yeah. All right,
1: not
7: Chase Field.
2: We're going to continue with this, but let's let's uh, talk about how the curse of the Cambino came about. Let's talk about how lucky hembo really is. So, we are I am watching this game last night and this kid fought.
0: Yeah, Brandon fought.
2: Uh, f- is pitching out of his mind. I've never seen him pitch in my entire life. But I settled down, you've gotten me very into this series. So I settle and I'm watching, all I heard yesterday from you and Jessica was, oh, it's just this Brandon fought. He's got no chance. They have no chance. It's a rookie. This is a sweep. And this kid is pitching the game of his life. What are he giving up? Two hits? Two hits, nine strikeouts, no walks. Nothing. I mean, they, they couldn't sniff him. And I keep hearing Brian Anderson, whom I love, by the way. He's excellent.
0: One of the best play-by-play guys we have.
2: He's really good. I keep hearing him say, the plan is for him to go 18 batters. The plan is for him to go 18 batters, and that'll be it. 18 batters, and that'll be it. And I keep thinking, there's no way, even in 2023, they're going to pull this kid when he's pitching this well. Now, Kyle Schwarber is coming up. He has struck out Schwarber both times he's been to the plate, and boom. Out they come to take out the pitcher. So I immediately, Bubba, text Hembo. Pulling the pitcher was ridiculous. Do you want to know what Hembo wrote back? Do you want me to read to you <laughs> I'm Hembo's response? worried. His response was, then why employ an analytics staff? That's literally what he wrote back. That's the worst answer to a question I've ever heard in all of my years as a sports fan. Hembo, I hated that decision (laughs) from the
0: deepest place in my soul. So before we get into an argument as to whether or not it was the right one, let me at least least give you the data with which the Diamondbacks used to reach the decision, and then we can go. So here is Brandon Fotz's ERA this year by time through the order. The first time, it's 316 the second time, it's a six flat ERA. And the third time through the order this year, Brandon Fodd had an ERA of eleven point one five. The league hit three ninety seven and slugged seven seventy nine against him in a consequential sample size the third time through the order. Kyle Schwarber's up next. Kyle Schwarber slugged six twenty one with eleven home runs against the starter the third time through the order this season. We had just seen Johan Rojas fly out to the warning track the, uh, the inning before, or the inning of, and J.T. Real Muto flew out to the warning track in the fifth inning. And so when, when Toy Lavello is, is deciding whether or not he's going to stick with his game script or not, he's not merely using the feel of the game. He's also using all of those data points that have been accrued over a long period no, of time. To be clear, you just
2: said that backwards. He's not using the feel of the game at all. He's exclusively...
0: Using the numbers. That's right. And that's what I'm that's talking right. about.
2: Now, if he's winning that game 4 nothing,
0: does he leave him out there? Probably so. But in the case of this game, in which it's scoreless at, scoreless. This, at this point, you can't afford one mistake. Just because Kyle Schwarber had struck out twice doesn't mean he's not going to ambush a first-pitch fastball and hit it into the seats. Because the track record for both players this year, the data say that that's, very, that's much more likely the third time through the order. And by the way, it worked. For Ron Darling to say the worst thing that could happen is Kyle Schwarber hits a home run and you got a score to win the game anyway is ridiculous. What you're trying to do is avoid allowing that to happen. Right. Like The whole point of this stuff is to be too early and not too late. You can't worry about spreading your bullpen out over games four, four and five. You have to worry about winning game three when you have the best possible chance to win game three. Brandon Foughton did his job. Torrey Lavello did his job. And he was willing to take all the slings and arrows after the game when he said, look, I would have booed me too. The kid was pitching great. But if Kyle Schwarber winds up going yard there, then the analytics staff and the front office in Arizona would have had the manager's head on a platter. I hear you. I know you're right. Which is to say,
2: there's no arguing with those numbers. There's nothing I can say in response, except the beauty of baseball forever has been watching how long that kid can keep it going. The game has been that forever. Seventy pitches. And, And that is the, no, I guess we've had other examples of this, but this is the most recent, if not the most glaring example of how that just now is gone. We'll never see it again. Watching that kid try and pitch that game all night long was the best thing about that game. I get it. If you're a diehard Phillies fan or a diehard Diamondbacks fan, then all you care about is who wins. Mm-hmm. But me, as just a fan of the sport, the most interesting thing about that
0: game was seeing whether that kid could keep it going. So were you, were you rooting for the Diamondbacks to then blow it, to be able to affirm this? Because that's, that's the other argument, is qualitatively, we know, we know that this pitcher is very comfortable in this environment. Like, he's doing great in this. Right. When you're a reliever coming in out of the bullpen you have n- literally no idea what's going to happen. Like that, There is also that argument, and that's why field does matter in some cases. But Brandon fought is not a tried-and-true big league pitcher who has a track record of going deep into games. He's a rookie, and he's a rookie with a track record that says once you see him for the third time, he's cooked. And that's why I would rather go down sort of with the way that I got to the NLCS, using data, using track ret- record to make decisions, rather than how does it feel in the here and now. Baba... Well,
1: for me, I always go back to, and it's not exactly analytics, but the biggest thing that I can compare it to is 2015 World Series with the Mets and Matt Harvey. Mm. Terry Collins let him go in for that ninth inning, and I everyone wanted him to keep going in, but that was in the that was not the right decision for pretty much any metric you could do. But that was an emotional decision that Terry Collins made. I mean, Matt Harvey basically refused to come out of the game. Everyone wanted him to stay in. Anyone watching the game wanted him to stay in, and then they lost the game because he stayed in. It's a great point. The Love right that. decision to make was to pull him. Anyone watching the game was like, oh my God, Harvey is dominating. You gotta keep him
0: in. And he lost the game because he stayed in. It's a great point because what the analytics, what the game script allows you to do is remove the emotion. And when you're in that position, Greeny, you don't want you want to use as little emotion, as little feel, as little observation. Yes. But
2: sports fandom is all about emotion. So what you're saying is you've taken the emotion out of the game, which is taking an enormous amount of the fun out of the game. Most of us are not watching it because we are concerned with what the the, the, the analytics tell us to do. So
0: when you say pulling the pitcher was ridiculous, do you mean it was the wrong thing to do? Or do you mean I hate it? It ruined
2: the game. It ruined watching the game. Well, that I can't argue with. It made watching the game so much less fun. That's what I mean. All right, I have more baseball I want to get to today, but up next, a different direction. We will try to explain the
3: inexplicable after this on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI To connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
3: Greeny with
2: you on ESPN Radio. You're not supposed to steal the signs. That's a nice hot water, excuse me, a nice song choice. Uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and hot water again. Uh, by the way, our college football action tomorrow. We got USC Utah presented by Dr. Pepper coverage begins 7:30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. All right, here we go. The school. Jim Harbaugh's got problems. Jim Harbaugh has got problems again and I don't for the life of me understand it. So by now you've probably seen the story. There are accusations, allegations, whatever term you want to use for it, by the NCAA, that Michigan has been illegally, or let me rephrase that, against the rules, spying on other teams' signs during games. Jim Harbaugh has steadfastly denied this, saying, I want to make it clear that I and my staff will fully cooperate with an investigation. I do not have any knowledge or information regarding illegally stealing signs nor have I directed any staff member or others to participate. I do not condone or tolerate anyone doing anything against NCAA rules. I will not be able to comment any further. So um, I always feel that some need to say that I am a little biased when it comes to Jim. I've known him as long as I've known pretty much anyone in sports. When I first started covering sports for a living in the early 90s, I covered the Chicago Bears, and he was the quarterback. So I've known him that long. And I've spent a reasonable amount of time with him over the years. I do not believe that that is influencing what I'm about to say at all, but take it for what you will. These allegations are the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire freaking life. What we are led to believe here is that the NCAA has a rule against people attending a football game and watching what happens on the sideline in full view of everyone. So if I'm just making this up, if Michigan and Northwestern are playing each other and the team that Michigan is playing next week sends someone to that game, and Michigan is scheduled to play Indiana the following week, I could be sitting next to someone from Indiana... And that guy and I can both be watching the Michigan sideline. And there's nothing wrong with me being there. But if he's there, it is a violation of NCAA rule. Because he can steal their signs. Signs that are perfectly visible at all times to anyone in the stadium. There's 100,000 people at these games. Anyone can see them. These games are on television. I'm not sure if word of that has reached people. We see NFL coaches holding up the play card in front of their mouths and all that kind of stuff because they don't want this information to get out, and it is so readily available because these people are always visible on a football sideline. How in the world is this against the rules, and if it is, how is that enforceable? We know every person who is at these games Am I wrong, Hembo? Do you find, do you find what I'm – when I first saw this story yesterday, I had to read it like seven times and go over every bit of information I could on it to figure out what I was missing. And it turns out I'm missing nothing. That's just
0: the rule. I think this would effectively be a non-story for all but maybe five programs in the country. So sign-stealing itself is, is not against the rules. There is a prohibition – for, on, on in-person scouting of opponents, and on using video or audio methods for recording signals. So it's against NCAA rules to, to scout opponents in person, basically. And it's actually been a provision since 1994. Originally, oddly enough, it was, it was made as a cost-saving sa- measure because like, these big programs were sending lots of people to schools to scout, and it actually became an advantage for some. But that's, kind of the, that's the context on the rule and for how long it's been a rule. Do you think it should be or whatever rule? For whatever it 's worth uh, no it 's outdated it 's pretty clearly antiquated
2: it 's ridiculous. People are sitting on the sideline these college football teams are holding up these large placards. Northwestern, at one point, was calling a play that had
0: me on it.
2: <laughs> like, they had an offensive play. I don't know what it was, but they had an offensive play. They had a big board. What like play a big, would
0: you like to be named after? You, I by don't the know. Way. Well,
2: I would like to have, you know, that's actually a good question, a like good if question. there's going to be a play. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just me. It was like a board, and he held it up, and it had the picture of, like, me, Michael Wilbon, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and somebody else. <laughs> I don't know. But just, like, four people who went to school there. And we're not supposed to notice that? Like, whatever you do, don't take a picture of the sign that has greedy on it, because that means a run up the right side. Like, what the hell are we talking about here, people? The NCAA has nothing more important than this to worry about? I think what has happened is the NCAA has been so emasculated, they have basically no authority over any of the things that they used to love nitpicking to death like making sure that kids don't get a cheese sandwich that now they got to come up with do things. Well, whatever you do, don't watch the sideline. Don't watch the sideline. What are we talking about? They're just standing there in full view of everyone, right? Am I wrong? What you're, am I missing?
0: Here? You're not wrong. I did do a little digging here. I, I went to the bowels of the internet to see like, if this had ever been discussed previously in November of 2022, I'm reading from The Athletic. One other wrinkle in this matchup, I think Michigan is really good at stealing your signal, said one Big Ten running back coach. They got our stuff early, and they got us on both sides. I also looked at some Ohio State message boards last year after their second straight loss to Michigan, and there was a lot of accusations of this. But ultimately, this is basically something that I think most schools do in plain sight. Maybe Michigan was doing something that's like way past the line. I was actually texting with somebody yesterday that I would describe as being in the know, and what they told me was, I doubt anything will come of it to me. this is more headline in Harbaugh than it is most anything else i'd be stunned if there were like anything more than like slap on the wrist type penalty,
2: yeah, but I mean Harbaugh's already been suspended three games this year he's bad at cheating uh, I, he's, he's he's literally bad at cheating <laughs> like, very like bad <laughs> he's good at cheating, but he's bad at cheating. He gets caught doing it a lot. look Paul Feinbaum came on my, on the TV show today and said he thinks. Harbaugh will just say, I'm done with this nonsense. They're, they're, they're coming after me for whatever reason, for doing stuff everybody does all the time. And it shouldn't be against the rules in the first place. And he's going to get up out of there and go back to the NFL. What do you think?
0: I think he should go to New England. <laughs> I mean, he's now eminently qualified to replace Bill Belichick. Exactly
2: right. They've got all the stuff in he's the He's got the binoculars. It all works. There. Yeah. I mean, that that's
1: actually would be a very... What, what, what do you think of this, Bubba? I mean, I agree that the rule is outdated and... And ridiculous. I'm I'm with you there, but at the same time, if there is the rule, I feel like it's it's clearly there. They shouldn't just break it. Like I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, at some point, you shouldn't just be like, "Well, it's a stupid rule." I send four people to the game and just break the rule. I don't know. You I, know, who I'm gonna do. I'm
0: gonna text our, our I don't old friend that uh, part. Bobby Carpenter who lives in Columbus. Yeah, I guarantee you, guarantee you, Columbus talk shows are hot this morning because Michigan. They weren't beating us before they started stealing our signs. I, mean, I, I would, guarantee I like know, you yeah. that's does, a talking point Every
1: this Does literally every team do this? Is that what's happening? Can we
2: put him on? Can we, are we allowed to put Bobby on? Is, is he like a so. competing? He's on McAfee like every week. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, Call nice. him. Let's try and get him up here. Let's That'll be it. a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll have him live with us at some point shortly. ESPN Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.
3: Robert Half research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI